If you're looking for character, space, and mood, the Juliana Deluxe Chorus Vibrato and the Mako D1 Series High Fidelity Echo Machine from Walrus Audio are for you. to running with the devil you hear it you're you're at berkeley it comes on were you listening on speakers or headphones it was a record and it was a record player all right so yeah little speakers you put the needle down at that time everything's so tactile you're probably looking at the album cover and you probably were noticing the super cool logo the van halen logo and ed's guitar and all that stuff you probably had heard lots of guitar at that point jimmy page oh yeah jeff beck jimmy hendrix so you knew what good guitar sounds were but then this comes on and, and what happens to your brain Everything changed because, the, the, like you say, there was the intro sound, which in my mind, in, in my s- s- snobby mind, because I was kind of snobby back then, it was like, okay, it's a, a interesting creative car horn sound that's being pitched down. Okay, big deal. Yeah, that's kind of, you yeah. know, because everybody's saying, wait till you hear this, wait till you hear this, you know. So then when the chords came in, the first thing I thought was, I've never heard a guitar so in tune playing chords. With so much distortion. With so much distortion. It, I never, I could never play, you know, a chord to be that much in tune where all the notes resonate and feel good when you're playing a triad in the middle three strings. It's just very rare on the guitar because the guitar is a fickled instrument. You have to, you, you know, fourths are different than thirds, yeah. and, uh, you know. And, um, and when I hear that, I'm waiting for another chord to come along that's not a bar chord to be out of tune and never that nothing he played was out of tune and uh, and i don't think he, he didn't tune with a tuner he just used his ear so there was an advantage there you know so there was a tuning there that was different than anything else but the tone was I loved the way Jimmy Page uh, used so many different tones and he would capture these atmospheres, you know, and how Brian May's tone was like, there was something about it that it had a golden touch, you know, and how Richie Blackmore's, it was constant, consistent, it didn't change. But this was some, this was a horse of another color. This was like, there was a presence around it. There was a a radiance around the tone. There was... um, sort of as if every note had space in between it that that uh, that jived and resonated perfectly with all the surrounding notes sort of like you've got the, the the sun and then the planets as the notes and all that space between creating this body of sound that was just phenomenal and the way that they used the real estate of the stereo spectrum was such that it gave the guitar the space to be as big as it was. And this was really made very apparent to me when I was recording Edom and Smile and Ted Templeman came in with a cassette of the soloed 
track of Ain't Talking About Love, uh, Edward's guitar. Yeah. This was one track, one mic, okay? And it was all there. It was just all there. And I said, what? Because we, we were working on my tone because I spent precious little time on tone. I mean, I, 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 never, I uh, never really knew how uh, vital it was. I always thought that the tone was in the amp or whatever, and I could never afford a good amp, so don't worry about tone. Just get the notes going. That was kind of my 17-year-old mentality. You know? I remember you telling me that uh, Frank described your tone once as an electric ham sandwich. An electric ham sandwich. <laughs> and great. That's so Frank. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> I mean, I, well, th th that comment came from me playing a Strat directly into a Marshall with no experience with a Marshall, you know, or anything like that. Yeah, and I couldn't brittle. play it loud. Yeah. You, you, in Frank's band, you you played parts, you know, and the distortion pedals back then. I just didn't have my tone together. I knew I had to get it together with Dave, but hearing it with Edward, hearing that tone, it was sort of like a, a monolith, you know. It was just a shift. As much as I loved all the previous guitar players, this was a it was like a horse of another color, you know. And another thing that was very um, prominent and obvious to me when I was listening to this record was the sound of the drums. When I say the sound of the drums, not necessarily how they mic'd, how they were mic'd or any of this, was the way he was hitting them. This, his, the personality, Alex's personality was in the sound. You know what I mean? Just like Edward's personality was in his tone. So it was just whack, whack. And the kick didn't have a lot of bottom end on it. So when the bass played, there was space for it. When the guitar filled its frequency range, there was nothing really obstructing it. And when the drums played, they weren't overdone. And then Dave had his little you know, piece of real estate. And I think that's one of the reasons why we were able to get Edward's guitar delivered to us like that. Because you know, you start stacking shit in the mix in the recording, all that intimacy goes away. And I remember when I first moved out to California, <clears throat> one of the, um, I was just trying to do more transcription work to just try to make some extra bucks. And I started doing some transcriptions for the magazines. And this was, uh, Eruption was one of the songs I had to transcribe. And I remember transcribing it, but I, I didn't play it. You, you know, just I, learned the notes and wrote them on paper. Well, I just listened to it and wrote it down, basically, imagining what it would look like on on the guitar. And, of course, I'd use the guitar and kind of like... Yeah. I knew what he was... You know, you could figure out what he's doing, uh, but um, I never really played it, never, because, um, well, it it always... It sounded like him, you know? It was always yeah. him. And, uh, yeah... I, I loved admiring it for what it was, but I, I guess I preferred to play my own. I couldn't do what he was doing anyways. I thought that Edward was really the game changer. There's been two game changers so far. And a lot of really great guitar players that have contributed. I think you're one. I think I'm one. There's many great that contribute. But as far as what the fuck, yeah, there was Hendrix and there was Edward. To me, there hasn't been a third. There's guys, as you know, that make me sound old, slow, and sloppy. 
and even Edward. Yeah. You know, they make him sound slow. But there's a craftsmanship and an artistry to the whole picture that he had. I mean, it was in the, 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 not one hit, not 20 hits, you yeah. know, not one record that sold 10 million, but multiple, Yeah, you know? So there's something to be said about it. There's something in that. And um, <clears throat> that's part of why they're game changers. Do you know what I mean? That's why I would allocate that to to those guys. As far as just like a, a a brutal kind of whacking off of the head of everything that came before. With Edward, you couldn't say you didn't like it because you would be lying. Running with the Dweezil is found exclusively at DweezilZappa.com, a reward music powered artist site.